Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Okay, it's 27 October, it's Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. You know, I said a couple weeks ago, it was the 13th of October, a Sunday, that it was our anniversary that day for having moved into this building and that we had been a few years longer down at the beach. And I don't think I actually took the time, and it was on my heart this morning, to thank the people. Maybe I did. I just don't remember having said that, to thank the people that have been a part of this church. And I don't mean just sitting here in the church. I'm talking about the people that are email with, you know, positive comments and, and uh, you know, positive comments as far as sermons and the update and how the state of the world is. And for those that have offered to help this church, because we've never asked anybody, we don't pass a plate here, we don't have a donate button on the uh, website, none of those things, but people have offered to help. And I wanted to thank everybody for that. So if I fail to do that on the 13th of October, which I should do every week anyway, I want to just thank you now because it means a lot that people have responded and kept this church going. Um, and then for the people on the Prophecy Update, I've already said this, but I'll say it again uh, now that the update is going, is that Sunday, next Sunday, you've got to be in church uh, on time, okay? So you got to set your clocks back next week, okay? Fall back, spring forward. Well, we're falling back, and the good news about that is you get an extra hour of sleep. So there you go with that. So please remember to change your clocks next Saturday night and be in church on time Sunday, wherever you attend. All right, our first uh, category, as always, is Israel. And from the Times of Israel, I, this is just a cool article. It's just kind of one of those James Bond type of things that I really appreciate. UAE-based intelligence firm said recruiting IDF veterans from elite cyber unit. Yes, the UAE is recruiting veterans from IDF cyber unit. That's pretty incredible. A private intelligence firm in the Gulf has reportedly been recruiting graduates of an Israel Defense Forces elite cyber unit with promises of millions of dollars of bonuses and lavish beachfront properties, causing concern in the defense establishment. Two recent investigative reports in Hebrew language media claimed that the UAE's based dark matter was actively headhunting Unit 8200 graduates. That's Unit 8200, according to a Yediot Aronot report. Graduates of the vaunted intelligence unit are regularly offered $100,000 plus per month salaries, signing bonuses, and luxury homes in Cyprus to sweeten the deal. Yediot said several firms were recruiting the Israelis, but only named Dark Matter. Israel and the UAE do not have formal diplomatic ties, which makes this all the more astonishing, but are said to have close security cooperation largely focused on Iran. Their common foe, several unnamed ex-soldiers, told the Daily how they were contacted by foreign intelligence firms out of the blue with lucrative employment offers. International headhunters told one 8200 graduate identified as A that anything less than $40,000 a month was not even worth considering and said the companies that were looking to hire him would offer conditions and perks that no other company would be able to compete with. 
A and other graduates said they were recently offered a hundred grand a month, excluding bonuses, as well as a relocation with Beach View. Officially, Dark Matter bills itself as a private cyber defense company based in Abu Dhabi. But according to a 2018 Associated Press report, Dark Matter provides intelligence for the UAE government. So that's that's kind of interesting that these Israelis are being given jobs where they provide info directly to the UAE. The UAE has been accused of targeting human rights activists, journalists, and other Western targets. According to a second report, Dark Matter maintains an office in Cyprus that employs Israeli software developers. One defense official, identified as Y, warned the marker about the de facto smuggling of Israeli intellectual property without any supervision of the defense ministry. They're taking these young men to Cyprus, buying them off with huge salaries, he said, adding that he knows of researchers who were offered positions at Dark Matter with salaries of close to $1 million a year. Dark Matter did not respond to the marker's request for comment. So that's rather interesting there and that that's going on. But the same thing happened. Israel did that with our scientists years ago. Uh, some of them are Jewish that were on our nuclear programs. And uh, uh, what's his name? Gerard Schroeder, who I met when I was in Israel, actually was on our nuclear program in Israel. He went and retired to Israel. And they've got that giant mind over there. And he's been able to coax them along in their own development of certainly great thermonuclear weapons. So, you know, it goes both ways with this, but it is kind of scary that Israelis would go to an Arab country that they don't have relations with in order to do this. So hopefully at least people are aware of it and that they're not betraying secrets of their own country. That would be my hope. But from the Times of Israel, in a rare formal visit, Israeli official attends anti-Iran conference in Bahrain. So once again, you've got more things going on in the Arab states with Israel. From the Jerusalem Post, Pompeo to the Post, Israel has a right to act in Syria. U.S. will stop Iran. Secretary of State defends ceasefire with Turkey. He says it will save lives. U.S. will work to stop Iranian arms transfers. Despite the withdrawal of United States troops from Syria, which there are still some as we've seen this week, Israel retains operational freedom to defend itself. And America remains committed to closely watching the Iraqi-Syrian border to help prevent the transfer of Iranian arms into the country. Secretary of State Pompeo told the Jerusalem Post, our admin has been very clear, he said. Israel has the fundamental right to engage in activity that ensures the security of its people. It's at the very core of what nation states not only have the right to do, but an obligation to do. Regarding the Iraqi-Syrian border, which Israeli intelligence believes is used by Iran to smuggle weapons into Syria and Hezbollah, Pompeo said that American forces would continue to watch the area closely. The president is committed to continuing that activity that the U.S. has been engaged in now for a couple of years and is aimed at countering ISIS and providing a situational awareness in that region, he said. If you watch the news this morning, actually from last night, but it was really officially announced by the president this morning, they blew up that guy, whatever, Al Barga Goody or whatever, he's gone. Uh, he's uh, toast, and so ISIS is still being attacked. And hopefully that will be, cause uh, more damage to their infrastructure, what little of it is left. 
but they may come back. You never know. We know this is a corner where Iran has attempted to move weapon systems across into Syria, into Lebanon, that threatens Israel, and we are going to do everything we can to make sure we have the capacity to identify those so that we can collectively respond appropriately. So once again, the U.S. is standing with Israel despite all of the negative news that came out when we first announced we were pulling out of Syria and allowing the Kurds to handle their own affairs. And everybody says, well, America's betraying Israel, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, that is not the case. But there you go with that. It's kind of interesting what's going on. And then, of course, we have Lebanon, which was mentioned in that article, is going through all kinds of pains right now as well. Um, A lot of the world is. There's a lot of places that are in real upheaval, and it seems like it's kind of going exponential at this point. And I would credit a great deal of that to social media, to people that are on there that they post their view on something. Somebody else posts their opposite view. They hate each other after that. They don't want to defriend each other because they're married to somebody that's married to somebody, whatever. And so it just festers and it grows, okay? And America is at the point right now where we are ready to come against each other. And this is happening all over the world. And I would say it's social media that's behind us because people get into these boxes on social media and they want to fight and they want to argue their point until there's just bitterness and there's a readiness for people to say, I'm going to stand for this or I'm going to stand for this. And crowds come together and start really fighting each other. So we'll see where the world goes in the years ahead. But from the Times of Israel, Friedman, U.S. peace plan won't call for settlement evacuations. He's said this definitively now. The U.S. admin's much-anticipated peace plan will not call for the uprooting of even a single settler. U.S. Ambassador to Israel David Friedman said, drawing sharp criticism from Ramallah, having seen the experience of the evacuation of Gaza, I don't believe there is a realistic plan that can be implemented that would require anyone, Jew or Arab, to be forced to leave their home. So they're going to have to work this out, but that's what he said. And if that's the case, the peace plan will probably be dead, you know, as soon as it's submitted, but that's okay. From Haaretz, from I, that shows you, though, that people like to say that Trump is the Antichrist and blood. They've been saying that about U.S. presidents forever. I mean, first it was, I'm not first, but last it was Obama, and before him it was somebody else, and it was somebody else. And it was, it, it's not a U.S. president, okay? Daniel 9 does not allow that. Just so you know, Daniel 9, 24 through 27 gives us who will be the Antichrist, where he will come from, what group of people, etc. It's not a U.S. president, okay? Haaretz, from Iraq to the Red Sea, Iran, Israel, battleground now spans the entire Middle East. Go read the article if you want, just the title there. From Christian News, Zero Hedge, click to pray, e-rosary. Vatican launches smart device that tracks your prayers. The Vatican is, yeah. The Vatican is leaping into the 21st century, and that means the Pope wants to track your prayers through a wearable smart device that links to a smartphone. The Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network launched the Click to Pray e-rosary device and a smartphone app at a press conference in the halls of the Vatican. The smart and app-driven wearable device, ooh, ah, I'm going to do my prayers now. Wearable device serves as a tool for learning how to pray the rosary for peace in the world. It can be worn as a bracelet and is activated by making the sign of the cross. It is synchronized with a free app of the same name, which allows access to an audio guide, exclusive images, and personalized content about the praying of the rosary. The smart device will retail for approximately $110. Now imagine you have, we'll say 5 million Roman Catholics that get that. 
Just do the numbers. You're up to half a billion dollars right there, okay? It will be available on Amazon and the Vatican's e-commerce store in the near term. The secret purpose behind the app, not explained in the press release, of course, is that the growth rates in the Christian population around the world are slowing. So what better way in attracting new members than to target the world's millennials through smartphones and smart devices? There you go. It's what? Track your works. Track your works. That's right. Work your way to heaven and track it on your iPhone. So uh, it's very sad because it's taking, you know, something that's really of the highest value of all in human existence and it's diminishing it down to zero. Okay. What Christ did for us and we're, we're doing this with that. Anyway, from the times of Israel, decline of Christianity in America continuing at a rapid pace, poll finds. Based on telephone surveys conducted in 2018 and 2019, Pew said Thursday that 65% of American adults now describe themselves as Christian. 65% down from 77% in 2009. That's 10 years it's gone down that much. Meanwhile, the portion that describes their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular now stands at 26%, up from 17% in 2009. Both Protestant and Roman Catholic ranks are losing population share. It said 43% of U.S. adults identify as Protestants, down from 51% in 2009, while 20% are Catholic, down from 23% in 2009. Pew says all categories of the religiously unaffiliated population, often referred to as the nuns, grew, not N-U-N-S, N-O-N-E-S, nuns, grew in magnitude. Self-described atheists now account for 4% of U.S. adults. I will say this, that is somebody that is not thinking things through very clearly. Okay, if you're an atheist, you, you proclaim you're an atheist, you are not thinking things through. You might be an agnostic at best, but if you say you're an atheist, you have not really thought that through. Because by claiming that you're an atheist, you're saying there is no God. Not that you don't know if there's a God, you're saying there is no God. And what does that do? That makes you God because you have all of the knowledge in the universe to prove that there is no God. And so you're denying yourself. And so either way, it's a fool's uh, thought process. But you got to feel bad for people that are in that uh, particular category. And that's up from 2% in 2009. Agnostics, which are fine as long as they're not hard agnostics. If you're a hard agnostic, that means I cannot know if there's a God, and so I'm not going to bother. You're doing the same thing as an atheist, and so you are proving that you're actually not that smart after all. If you're a soft agnostic, that means that you are a person that says, I just don't know if there's a God. And that's where your job comes in. Let me introduce them to you. His name is Jesus, and he came to save you, okay? But people that claim that they're hard agnostics or atheists, they're often very difficult to talk to because they're already righteous in their own minds about their decision. And that's a very hard wall to get through. Anyway, um, agnostics are up, account for 5%, up from 3% a decade ago, and 17% of Americans now describe their religion as nothing in particular, up from 12% in 2009. So it's a sad state of religion in America. A once great Christian nation is very quickly going down the tubes. But I will say this, all we need is for a real national calamity. I'm not talking about something small like 9-11 because the, the ranks of the churches swelled. I was just a new Christian at that time. I'd been a Christian for a short amount of time. And I remember sitting in a church and we had, we'll say 100 people a week show up. And the weekend afterward, that church went up to literally three, four, five hundred 500 people. And the 
people kept coming for about three weeks and then they stopped coming. One, because they weren't being fed by the pastor. He didn't know what he was talking about, and I found that out eventually, too. But um, the churches, they say, that did preach the gospel and adhered to the Word of God never lost that increase. They all stayed up there. But what we need is a real national disaster for people to humble themselves and say, I need to know what God expects of me, and that we need real trained preachers around the world to stand forward and say, this is what God expects of you. So we'll hope that happens. I have no problem wishing catastrophe on a nation if it means that nation will turn back to God. Anyway, Faith Wire. New Florida school bill seeks to make Bible class mandatory. We talked about this last year. They have submitted it under House Bill 341. You know, the number 341 is always scary to me because if you were in the U.S. Air Force, you know what a 341 is. When you, you had to carry them in your pocket, and this is in basic training and in uh, your tech school after that, you didn't bother with them anymore, but it's Air Force Form 341. You're walking down the road and say a staff car goes by and you don't salute it. They'll jump out and they'll say, give me a 341 and now you're in trouble. It's, it's a you're in trouble form. It can be used as a good form. Like I saw that guy doing something wonderful and I want to give him a 341 positive for his commander. That never happens. 341s are there to get you in trouble. So anyway, House Bill 341, students would not be forced to take the class, but rather schools would be required to offer the course, which covers both the Old and New Testament as part of the curriculum. According to an official introduction laid out at the start of the bill, the new provision would require each school district to offer specific courses related to religion. Hebrew scriptures, and the Bible to certain students as elective courses. Good job, along with ensuring such courses be included in course code directory. The text declares that the bill, if successful, let's pray it will be, shall take effect July 1st, 2020. Christian evangelist and Jacksonville Democrat, Representative Kim Daniels was the first to introduce the bill. I mentioned that last year. It's a black lady up in uh, Jacksonville, and she, being a Democrat, surprisingly submitted this. So I, I understand the position of abortion with the Democrat Party, which means I could never vote for an abortion, but I would at least like to shake her hand because she's trying to do something positive. According to the Florida Politics, courses mandated by the new bill include a course on the Hebrew Scriptures and the Old Testament, and of course on the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament of the Bible, and the New Testament of the Bible. And as I said when they first talked about that last year, I would be willing to give something up in my life to go teach that, whatever the amount of time was required at whatever school they had at Sarasota, Florida. So if you hear of it, let me know, and I'll put my name on whatever list they offer to teach that. From BCN, huge victory for doctors who didn't want to violate their own beliefs with gender transition operations. A federal mandate written during the Obama admin had threatened to force religious doctors out of practice if they would not perform gender transition procedures that would violate medical judgment and beliefs. The U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Texas ruled against the mandate striking down the DHHS regulation. Thank goodness for that judge. I know we've got judges on the other side that are doing all kinds of crazy things, but we do have people that are doing the right things here. And I'm very happy about that. From Islam Today, Zero Hedge. China's $3.6 billion bailout insulates Turkey from the United States. Now, you can see why Turkey was so quick to dismiss the United States. 
it's not fully something they can do. They can't just dismiss the U.S. because if they do, they will collapse. But China is giving them a buffer, and it's rather interesting because it's the same thing they're doing all over the world. They're in giving money to these countries, and they're saying, oh, there's really no need to worry about us giving you this. And then eventually they get their hooks in you, and there is something to worry about. But here we go. Beijing's biggest support package ever for President Erdogan arrives at a critical time despite the U.S. threat to obliterate and destroy Turkey's economy. The Turkish lira and Turkish interest rates barely have budged in the past week. Turkish stocks, especially banks, are down sharply in part due to the U.S. criminal charges against Halk Bank for aiding Iran sanctions violations. That is remarkable given the fragility of Turkey's currency earlier in 2019. Between February and May, the Turkish lira fell from 5.2 to the U.S. dollar to 6.2 in response to U.S. sanctions, before recovering to 5.88 to the dollar today. This is about a week ago. The Turkish Central Bank leaned on the Turkish banks to refrain from offering liquidity to short sellers, but Turkish money markets remained orderly. What changed is China. China's central bank transferred $1 billion worth of funds to Turkey in June. Beijing's biggest support package ever for President Erdogan delivered at a critical time in an election month. The inflow marks the first time Turkey received such a substantial amount under the lira-yuan swap agreement with Beijing that dates back all the way to 2012. China's direct investment in Turkey has also surged this year. As Nikkei reported August 22nd, China is coming to Turkey's aid during its economic crisis with $3.6 billion in funding for infrastructure projects, just like they're doing in Mongolia that we've talked about. They're doing it in Turkey, leveraging Ankara's conflict with Washington to expand its Belt and Road Initiative in the key country that links Asia with Europe. President Erdogan said back in August 11th that his country was preparing to trade through national currencies with partners like China, bypassing the U.S. dollar. The U.S. placed additional tariffs on Turkey the next day as a feud simmered over the imprisonment of a U.S. pastor. You know he's been released, accused of being involved in the 2016 coup attempt against the Turkish leader. The lira then hit about seven per dollar, a drop of more than 40 percent since the beginning of the year. Spurned by one of the world's economic giants, Erdogan naturally turned to another, China for much-needed financial backup. American policymakers should have their eyes checked for cataracts. They appear unable to keep the whole of the world map in view. You know, we're watching all these things here and here and here, and we're not worrying about some of the things that are really critical, which is China's Belt and Road Initiative, which is going all over the world. It's going up by the North Pole. It's going all the way around the Mediterranean and the Indian Ocean. It's going right through the landmass. It's going everywhere. And if we're not careful, we will lose a real mark of uh, advantage against China in the very near future. I'm sure our president, though, is watching this. He's not a dummy. So from Jihad Watch, this is just one of those articles that we see year after year, and it's another one that's come up this year. Slaveholding Mauritania, which you know is over off of Africa, and they, they have slaves there. Sharia Sudan, which, you know, Sudan doesn't have a very good human rights record. Jihad-plagued Libya elected to the UN Human Rights Council. Yes, Africa News, October 18, 2019, says tyrants celebrate as UN elects Venezuela, Mauritania, Libya, Sudan to the top 
rights body. Can you imagine that? The UN selection of serial abusers of human rights, and then naming those four countries, to its highest human rights body drew sharp criticism from the non-governmental human rights group UN Watch, which is based in Geneva at the seat of the 47-nation Human Rights Council. Electing the oppressive Venezuelan regime of Nicolas Maduro to a human rights council is like making a pyromaniac into the town fire chief. And that's what they say. In a detailed study, UN Watch found that four of the newly elected members, Venezuela, Mauritania, Libya, and Sudan, had poor records on respecting human rights at home and in their UN votes, thereby failing to qualify according to UN's own membership criteria. The council already counts, listen to this, China, Cuba, Saudi Arabia, the DR of Congo, Eritrea, Qatar, Somalia, Cameroon, and Pakistan among its members. Some of the worst violators of human rights, the only one they really need to make sure they add in next time is North Korea, and they'll have exactly, exactly who they need. I mean, it's whatever, yeah. Haaretz, Hungary. Now, we've been talking about Erdogan maybe letting the floodgates go north and the people that he has in his country going up into Europe, okay? Right now, it seems like that may not be the case. He's trying to dig out a place for these people to go in Syria. We don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I'm going to tell you what. Hungary does not trust that that is going to happen. Here's what they're doing. Hungary would use force to fend off refugees if Erdogan delivers on his threat, Orban says. Prime Minister Viktor Orban built a steel fence on Hungary's border with Serbia to seal off the Balkans' route of migration, where hundreds of thousands of people marched through from the Middle East to Western Europe at the peak of the crisis in 2015. And guess what that, that fence did? It worked. Okay? The next weeks will decide what Turkey does with these people, Orban told private broadcaster Her TV. It can steer them in two directions— Take them back to Syria, which they're working on, or set them off towards Europe. They're going to go somewhere. They're not going to stay in Turkey. Orban has often been at loggerheads with Brussels over some of his policies affecting migrants. Said, currently, there are about 90,000 people on the Balkans' migration route, and their ranks could swell to 100,000 shortly. If Turkey sets off further hundreds of thousands on top of this, then we will need to use force to protect the Hungarian border and the Serbian-Hungarian frontier, and I do not wish for anyone that we should need to resort to that. They have, you know, they tried to force them over the past couple years to take these people, and they said, we are not taking them. This is a Christian country. I understand it's Catholic, but they said, we do not want these Muslims in our nation, and they have stuck fast to it. Despite being a member of the EU and being told they're going to be sanctioned by the EU, they have stuck fast, wisely. From Mongolia today, Bloomberg, Mongolia added to watch list by agency policing money laundering. Yes, money laundering. Mongolia has been included on a list of countries monitored by an international agency that polices anti-money laundering activities and terrorism financing in Mongolia. Joining Mongolia's additions on the Financial Action Task Force's watch list were Iceland and Zimbabwe. I understand Zimbabwe, but Iceland, I wouldn't think there'd be that up there, but each jurisdiction has developed an action plan with the FATF to address the most serious deficiencies. The Northeast Asian country between Russia and China has worked to address weaknesses in its technical compliance of the task force standards since 2017. Placement on the so-called gray list puts uncertainty on the country's economy and it banks as well as its local currency, the Tugruk. 
So there you go with that. We'll see if that comes up in another article and what the status is. From Daniel 12 Technology, this is almost spooky. You know, I'm not a sensationalist. I don't like to put forward things that are just bizarre, but this is still pretty cool. There's just no way to really confirm some of it, so I want to say that in advance, but it's a pretty cool article. Navy patents UFO-like compact nuclear fusion reactor and hybrid space sea crafts. Yes, these patents describe exotic technologies that do not exist in the commercial or military spheres as far as we know, and that usually only surface in UFO lore, including high-energy electromagnetic force fields, revolutionary propulsion systems, and a hybrid aerospace underwater craft. The newest patent, these are actual patents that have been submitted. The newest patent is for a practical fusion reactor that could be stored in aircraft to help achieve unimaginable speeds and maneuverability. Perhaps the most surprising patent concerns the hybrid aerospace underwater craft, which can supposedly navigate with equal precision through space, air, or water with no heat signature and engineer the fabric of our reality at the most fundamental level. In the patents filed, Pais has revealed that Chinese scientists are already way ahead of the U.S. in such fields. The reason this is a shocking admission is because military personnel, Navy officers, and air pilots have for years reported USOs, which are unidentified submerged objects that seem to fly in and out of the sea at incomprehensible speeds. Yes, the newest patent teases the discovery of the holy grail of energy production, the long-sought nuclear fusion reactor, which could revolutionize life on Earth by creating a sustainable long-term fuel source and reduce radioactive waste and greenhouse gas emissions. Currently, scientists do not know how to manage systems that utilize high-pressure plasma in the range of hundreds of millions of degrees Fahrenheit and can only create split-second controlled nuclear fusion reactions. However, the patent for Pais Plasma Compression Fusion Device, which was only disclosed September 26 of 2019, states, at present, there are few envisioned fusion reactor devices that come in a small, compact package ranging from 0.3 to 2 meters in diameter. And typically, they use different versions of plasma magnetic confinement. Three such devices are located at Lockheed Martin. They're Skunk Works Compact Fusion Reactor, the EMC2 Polywell Fusion Concept, and the Princeton Field Reversed Configuration Machine. These devices feature short plasma confinement times, possible plasma instabilities with the scaling of size, and it is questionable whether they have the ability of achieving the break, even fusion condition, let alone a self-sustained plasma burn leading to ignition. But they do have the patents for them. Pais states that this technology would be capable of producing as much as a terawatt, which is one trillion watts of power, which vastly surpasses America's largest current nuclear power plant. And they're talking about something this big. While it's not known whether such technology is possible at all, much less in the compact structure, we do know that the U.S. military and private firms like Lockheed Martin are competing with the government-run Chinese Academy of Sciences to create the world's first compact nuclear reactor. So there you go. They have the patents out. That's the only reason why I read that, because I don't like sensationalism. But they're working on it, and they do have patents which say that it is possible, or maybe it's even already there, and they just haven't announced what they're doing. So 
Revelation plagues today. Mail online, cancer-causing stomach bug has become twice as hard to treat with antibiotics in the last 20 years. Antibiotics is where the world is going to fail soon when the rapture happens and we're taken out and it says these plagues are going to be on the earth. This is one of the great places where it's going to be. Experts measured resistant rates of Helicobacter pylori against antibiotics. Rates against, and I can't pronounce that one at all, jumped from 10% in 1998 to almost 22% last year. The author of the study said the trend was alarming. And from the New York Times, just the title, it's a long article, but if you want to read it, Venezuela's water system is collapsing. Introduce socialism. This is a country that had every resource on the planet available to it. People that love to be there, it was a very productive nation, right? They have the largest oil reserves on this entire planet. And they, their water system is collapsing where people have to go and just grab water out of sewers and anywhere else that they can find it, wait for the rain and collect it up. I mean, leave it up to socialism and that's what these people want in this country. Beware folks. From Morality Today, Zero Hedge, I got a uh, bumper sticker from my friend Susie out in uh, Arizona in the mail this week, and it's kind of a pun. It can go one of two ways. All it says is, ladies and gentlemen, keep your powder dry. <sighs> we, got, we really have to be careful in this world. We have to be careful because these people want this nation to fail. Morality, Zero Hedge, UK police investigate transgender being turned down for porn role as a hate crime. Now, I can't say much of the article. I know, I know it sounds funny, but think of this. I can't read most of the article and what it said because it'll give you mental images that I don't want you to have in your head. But I will say before I give this article that I read a lot of stuff every week. I read hundreds of articles every day and it affects me personally. I have nightmares, I don't sleep well, it causes conflict in my family and my friends because I have bad thoughts going through my mind that may come out of me at some time when I don't want it to. And I don't want that kind of stuff to transfer to you. But I do want to obtain articles that I think are interesting that show where the world is each week as we're getting closer to the coming of the Lord. But when I give you an article like this, it's not intended for you to have mental images. And if you do, I apologize in advance. I, there's no other way to say this, but this is perversion at its highest sense. A spokeswoman for Humberside Police, and one other thing before I get into that is I've been thinking, you know, I work, I've worked seven days a week from 4 a.m. until after 6 a.m., 6 p.m. every day, and I've taken three voluntary days off in the past eight years. I have taken days off when somebody said, would you come baptize my kids or something, and I used to go up and help my dad up north, and that was not time off, but I was talking to my friend uh, on the FaceTime here yesterday and I said I just and I said it to Hidako last night I'm going to start taking a day a week off I don't know when it's going to happen but when I do that I don't you know I don't want any calls at, on Sunday or Monday because it's uh, my sermon typing day and I don't like to I, I may have an hour of thoughts in my head that'll be ruined if I pick up the phone I mean and it's very tedious day Sunday and Monday but I got to tell you what when I take that day off I'm not going to be available unless there's a real emergency I'll let y'all know if that happens but I, I just, I'm to the point where I think I need that time because of reading articles like this every day. It's debilitating. But a spokeswoman for Humberside Police said, we received a report of a hate incident. As I said, I had to cut out all of what this guy was claiming and what the, the video person said, I can't do it because, if you can imagine, the report has been logged and will be investigated. Now think of this. 
This is the police in the United Kingdom that are going to investigate a hate crime because somebody says, I can't use you because, all right? The UK's violent crime rate has risen by 19% in the last year. Fatal stabbings are becoming commonplace in major cities, but police resources are being wasted on the urgent issue of transgenders being offended over words. There you go. Zero Hedge, another one from the UK. British chief of police warns, misgendering people is a form of abuse. This is what's going on in the UK right now. This is what they want in this nation. A chief of police in Britain chose to recognize International Pronouns Day by putting out a video warning people that misgendering transgender people was a form of abuse. Today is International Pronouns Day, said Detective Chief Constable Julie Cook in a video posted to Twitter, which is a day especially important to people who identify as transgender or gender nonconforming. Being misgendered, this is the, the chief of police here, can have a huge impact on somebody and their personal well-being. It also can be used as a form of abuse for somebody, and that just isn't right, she added. Today is about raising awareness, getting people to have conversations, and understanding why it's so important to understand the pronouns that somebody wishes to be used for them, concluded Cook. Now think of that once again. 19% rise in violent crimes in one year. People being murdered on the streets with knives, and so they want to take away knives now? They've already taken away their only way of defending themselves is with a gun, and so... And they're worried about this. Once again, from the UK, I'm sure you heard this, but if you didn't, I'm going to include it because it's showing you a trend in the United Kingdom from the Daily Wire. Chick-fil-A closing first UK location after pressure from LGBTQ activists. Just a little over a week after Chick-fil-A opened its first location in the United Kingdom, the restaurant will be closing because the shopping center will not extend the restaurant's six-month lease in response to the protests of LGBTQ activists. One week they're open and these people have them shut down. Mail online. Back to Florida. Florida man ordered to pay child support. You talk about what's wrong with the world. We did one of these a couple years ago and I want you to remember that, that this is going on right here in Florida. Florida man ordered to pay child support even though DNA test proves he is not the father (laughs) after state officials appeal judge's decision to stop payments. The judge says, stop the payments. He doesn't have to pay. He's not the father. And the state officials, because they get their take of everything that happens, appealed it. And so he has to continue paying. Joseph Sanawa of St. John's County signed the birth certificate of the child when it was born because he believed he was the father. He was doing the right thing. But when he tried to get visiting rights, a court-ordered DNA test proved he was not the biological parent. A judge in St. Augustine ordered the child support to end, but the FDR appealed the decision. It means he has to continue paying until the situation is resolved in court. Can you imagine this? From Fox, burn one down. Bernie Sanders, burn one down. Sanders introduces a plan to legalize marijuana nationwide during his first 100 days in office. Her other category. This is Bizarro World, and the next couple of articles, I've already shown you a couple of bizarre ones. Listen to the next few. Zero Hedge, Ontario dentist loses his license after treating his wife. Listen to this. In the Canadian province of Ontario, it is considered professional misconduct if a dentist has sexually abused a patient. According to the Regulated Health Professions Act, sexual abuse includes any sex 
or other types of sexual relations. Anytime you have sex, it's sexual abuse. Consent is irrelevant. Any sexual contact is considered abuse. But the strange thing here is that the definition of patient includes a spouse. So when an Ontario dentist treated his wife's teeth, he was stripped of his license to practice. The government obviously assumed that the dentist and his wife are active sexually. Can you imagine that? You can't treat your wife because if you do and you are, what do you think a husband and a wife are going to do? They strip them. Imagine people going to school that are being educated and helping other people as doctors and as we saw that one in the UK recently that lost his license because he said, I'm not going to call that hairy person a female. And they, he, 30 years he's with the NHS and they fired him. And this guy loses his license because he treated his wife. It is upside down. Zero Hedge, another one. I, once again, I question even reading this to you, but I want you to know what's going on in the world because this is going to become more and more commonplace. Sex robots have rights too. Yes, last month, this is a pair of university professors, professors in a university, public, my wife's over there laughing, published a paper advocating virtual, you know, these robots who should have to provide consent before engaging in the acts with the owners. And I can't read all the words that are in here. In their paper, the professor suggests that these robots should be equipped with a consent module so that a robot could refuse. This is, this is literally insane. They further suggest that this approach could support the cultivation of compassion when used in supervised therapeutic scenarios. These are university professors, and this is what they are teaching in our universities around. I know it sounds funny, but I'm, hor I'm horrified reading these things. I'm absolutely horrified. Anyway, USA Today. But imagine, this is something that I, I would not even have thought of saying in a prophecy update a year ago. I wouldn't have even thought of it. It's, it's so horrifying. But that's why I'm saying these now, is because next year this is going to be commonplace, and we're going to be the frogs that are stewed unless we understand what's going on in the world at the times they're going on. It's heartbreaking. Yes. USA Today, black school guard fired for telling student not to call him the N-word by using it himself. Yes, on October 9th, Anderson was escorting a disruptive male student out of the West High School building when the student started calling Anderson the N-word. He's a black guy and the guy was saying, you're a, okay. After pushing the school's assistant principal and threatening to beat her up, in responding to the abusive language, Anderson says, he said the word himself, making a point to the student not to use it. Every type of N-word you can think of. That's what he was calling me, Anderson said. I said, do not call me that name. I am not your N-word. That's all he said. Uh, do not call me that. West High School principal Karen Boran later that week pulled Anderson aside. He said and told him that he had an uphill battle to keep his job. And in a letter Wednesday, Boron told parents a staff member Anderson would not be returning to the school after an investigation of the incident. As you know, our expectation when it comes to racial slurs has been very clear, Boron wrote. Regardless of context or circumstance, racial slurs are not acceptable in our schools. This kid called him it 40 times and he said, please don't call me. And he repeated it and they fired him. And this kid had just pushed down an assistant principal and was harming other people, and he's probably sitting in school right now where this guy has lost his job. It is. 
Zero hedge. Russia ready to seize control of the world's largest oil reserves. Just talked about them a minute ago. Here we go. This is going to cause some trouble with the United States if this happens. The Venezuelan government is ready to hand over control over the state oil company PDVSA to Russia's Rosneft. Russian test reports, quoting El Nacional, that the radical move is being discussed as a way of erasing Caracas's debt to Moscow. The debt is sizable. At the end of June this year, money owed to Rosneft alone stood at $1.1 billion. That's down from $1.8 billion at the end of March. Two years ago, Caracas and Moscow sealed a deal for the restructuring of another $3.15 billion debt to Russia over 10 years with minimum payments over the first six years. Since 2006, Russian loans to Venezuela have reached more than $17 billion, according to El Nacional report. Moscow had reacted positively to the suggestion. Of course they are. They get the world's largest oil reserves free, and they're not going to protest that at all. Anyway, we'll go on. Where was I? Um, it said the first feedback from these commissions was reportedly that the company was too large and it needed serious layoffs to become more competitive. Rosneft is active in Venezuela in joint projects with PDVSA. However, these activities appear to not be in breach of United States sanctions, according to the U.S. Special Envoy for Venezuela, Elliot Abrams. However, Abrams said last month that sanctions may be coming for the Russian company in the future. If the El Nacional report is confirmed, these will likely come sooner rather than later. This is going to become a real hot spot. Keep watching Venezuela. All right. I got a less Rick here for you. Catholics soon will just cease and desist, lest they pray with the flick of a wrist. These are those that have needs of electronic beads who do think by the world they've been dissed. Pretty good. All right, uh, I got a couple ironies for you. This is entitled, She Will Ruin You. Mail online. Mobsters attempt to track his girlfriend by attaching a GPS to her car results in 20 arrests after leading feds to a criminal enterprise, including scheme to rig NCAA basketball game. So she ruined him. And then the second one, she will ruin you. Mail online. Texas groom robs a bank the day before his wedding to pay for the rings and ceremony, but gets caught by his fiance who recognized him in a surveillance photo. Oh, Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.